Good morning and buona sifiwe. It's wonderful being back here. Uh, you know, with iPhone runners, uh, for, I, know, I don't know, anyone who doesn't know me, so that I don't assume. You know what I'm calling? You know, it's okay not to know me. Maja, TV, radio. Okay, my name is Alex. For your sake, let me introduce myself. Uh, I'm Alex Njuki. I'm born again. I love the Lord. And uh, been a part of Frontier for maybe the last 11 or so years. So when I came, I did not have a white beard. However, now I have one. That just shows age is catching up with, with me. Okay, and uh, that's where the serenity prayer comes in. Lord, give me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. So, Yes, so today's our Encounter Sunday, and um, we'd like to us to open our Bibles. We'll read from several portions of Scripture, but our main, main reading today will be from the book of Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, Corinthians chapter 15, if you are there, that is where we shall be reading today. And the topic is resurrection power. Corinthians chapter 15. We shall be reading from verse 12 to 19, if you are there. However, even as we open our Bibles, whether digitally or hard copy, let me just open with a word of prayer. Almighty God, in the name of Jesus, I want to thank you. I thank you, Lord, for your goodness and love and your faithfulness, and even for the very fact that we can meet together to celebrate, oh Lord God Almighty, what you are doing in our lives. We want to thank you for this Encounter Sunday. And our prayer, Lord, is that may we have an encounter with you. May this be a day when you'll have your way in our lives, when it shall come and reign, O oh God. In Jesus' name, we pray and believe. Amen. One of the things that excites me is this. When, when, when I come to iPhone trainers is this. At least when I come here, even though I may not be in the age of majority, uh, at least I get to be with the majority. I know you may be wondering, for those of you who may be wondering, but this is it. According to the 2019 population census, those who are below the age of 34, how many are over 34 here? Okay. Those who are below the age of 34 make up 75% of Kenya's population. Okay? So essentially, that's why I say you are in the majority. You can determine, you know, the trajectory of this country. You can decide, uh, and there's nothing that they can do because they're already in the minority, you know. So you are a part of the majority, and so you have a lot at stake because whatever decisions are made probably will affect you more than they will affect some of us. Not that they don't affect us. They do affect us. But what, we, what I'm saying is it's wonderful being where the majority is because when I'm here, I know I'm with the winning team. Amen? Amen. So at this time, this is what the Bible says. We are looking at uh, resurrection power today. I hope I'll be able to use my time wisely. Oh, okay. This is what it says, First uh, Corinthians chapter 15, from verse 12 to 19. It's about uh, the risen Christ, who is our hope. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. 
some versions, in some versions, Paul says, then our preaching is in vain. If Christ is not risen from the dead, then our preaching is in vain. Then he continues, yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also, those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. Now realize that uh, the person who was writing to the Corinthians is Paul. Paul, you know, before he met Christ was a Pharisee. If you've read the Gospels, you know there were the Pharisees and the Sadducees. At times we enjoy them. The far you see and the sad you, you see. Now it happens that the Pharisees did believe in life after death. The Sadducees did not believe there was life after death. But here is Paul writing to the Corinthians, and he's laying down his case. He's essentially telling the Corinthians, and please realize the Corinthians were not, you know, they were not Jews. They were Gentiles, like we are considered Gentiles. And so he's writing to them, and he's telling them, you know, the church in Corinth, listen, Jesus did actually rise from the dead. If he did not, then our preaching is in vain. In that essentially, we are also dead. And for those who say, or whom we have been saying, they died in Christ, then even them, they did what? They perished if there is no rising from the dead. That is what Paul is saying. Because in the Corinthian church, as you know, the church was divided. They were divided over a lot of things. Who is greater? Is it Jesus? Is it Peter? Is it Paul? You know, Paul is the one who had preached to them. But there were all those divisions. They were divided over different things. And in all these, even with all the challenges that they had in that church, the church you know, there were those who were involved in, in immorality. There was what? There, was, there were a lot of divisions. And then comes the issue of do people rise from the dead or when they die, they remain dead? Dead, dead, dead. You remember the Motain Doom adverts, eh? If you watch them. Maybe Mende Okay? Depending on you Okay? But what we are saying is there were those divisions. And there were some people who wanted to argue that if one dies, then that is the end of this life. And Paul is now telling the church in Corinth, if that is the case, then even the preaching that we are preaching to you, all that we have preached to you, all that we continue to preach, it is all in vain. Because why believe in Christ if you did not rise from the dead? And essentially, what Paul is bringing here is the core of the Christian faith. What is the core of our faith? The core of our faith as believers is this, or rather as Christians, that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. Okay? Jesus Christ came in the flesh, in that God became man. If you read the book of John chapter 1, and the word became, in the beginning was the word, 
and the word was with God, and the word was God. Then when you go to verse 14, you know, John, the apostles, con continues in saying, and he actually wrote, that the word became flesh and dwelt among men. So we get to know that Jesus Christ was the word. And he came and he dwelt among men. And that is the core of our gospel. That Jesus Christ came. He dwelt among men. But you know that is not the end. It continues and says that he was crucified on the cross. In that him who had not seen became sin. He died on the cross that we who are sinners may be saved. Yet... That is still not the end of it. It continues. The scriptures actually put it. And not only the scriptures, but other writers like Josephus, you know, who are historians those days, they also write it. You know, there's a lot of, uh, there are a lot of people who wrote, not necessarily in the Bible, but who actually testify of some of the things that we find in the Bible. And it continues and says that that is not the end. In that Jesus Christ did not only die, but he rose again. And let me tell you, that is the core of our gospel. That Jesus Christ came, he lived in, you know, on this earth, in that God became man. He was fully God and fully man. He came, dwelt on this earth, was here for those 33 or so years. He died on the cross, he was buried, but on the third day he rose again. And it is from that that Paul is now bringing forth his argument that, yes, there are those who are saying that Jesus Christ did not rise from the, death, from the dead. But he's saying if that is the case, then we should be pitied because our preaching is in vain. In that we are very, very foolish then if that is the case. But if that is the issue then, what does it mean for us? It means that if it is true that Jesus came and died on the cross, then we need to appreciate that he did it for our sake. And if you look at it right from the beginning, we know if you look at the Bible, you know, it is one big story, even though by different authors, in that it shows us that we, being human beings, uh, our forefathers, Adam and Eve, they sinned in the Garden of Eden. And because of that, mankind has been separated from God. And because we were separated from God who is holy, it now leaves us in a position where we are guilty of sin. And if you are guilty of sin, if we then stand before God who is our judge, the question comes in, what does the judge say? Any lawyers in the house? At least I thought there was one. The one is called my friend John. You are there. Yes, I know Barakoa's Natuma squeezy water on a jificha. Any other? Hey, please. I don't come on a practice. I don't come on a shule. You know what I'm going to faith to graduate. Yes, there's one more there. Who is that? Is it Mema Manani? Yes. You know, we, you know, one of the things that we know is this. When you go before a court of law, what the judge says at the end of the day as your sentence is what stands. It is not what you want. It is what the judge wants. You may have what you want, but 
when you stand before that judge, it does not matter how learned you are. It is what the judge says. For example, though you may be a professor in law, okay? And we have several professors in law, like Professor Gidhu Moigai and others. Though you may be a professor in law, when you stand before the judge arguing out a case, even though that judge may only have a first degree, had a Jafonia master's, at the end of the day, it is that judge's judgment that stands. It is not about your papers. Is that true, my learned friends? Yes, at least I'm getting John nodding. In that, it does not matter whether that professor taught you in university. When he's on the dock representing his client, his word, the, the, the word of the judge is what holds. And when that sentence is read, it does not count. And that is the position that we are in as human beings. In that because we are born in sin, our case is, is done before God. But God in his mercy, being the judge, has chosen or rather chose to give out his son Jesus Christ to not only be our advocate but take our place as sinners. And because he took our place, we then now have the opportunity of being redeemed from sin. The judge gave a way out of our predicament. And what was our predicament? Our predicament was that because we were in sin, we were condemned to eternal death. But because the judge has given us a way out, he actually told us, this is what I'm going to do. Even though you have sinned, I'm offering a way out. And the way that was offered is Jesus Christ. He came, died on the cross, that we who are sinful may be redeemed. We may be forgiven and reconciled back to the Father. So a way has been given. We have been given an option. That option is one. No wonder Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to the Father. That is what Jesus said. I am the way, in that there is no other way. I am the truth, in that there is no other truth that will take you to God. And I am the life. Life eternal is found in no one else but Jesus Christ. And he then goes on, or rather the judge gives us a choice. The choice is there in that we have a free will to either take his offer of forgiveness or remain condemned. We have been given an offer. Take it or leave it. The judge says there is only one option for you to receive eternal life. And that option is through Jesus Christ, my son. I gave him. He came. He lived among you. He died on the cross. He took the penalty that was yours that I can forgive you and give you another chance of having eternal life. 
to come and be reconciled back to me. There is no other way. This is the only choice. However, you have a free will to decide whether to take it or not. And in all that, having done that, we then see by the time, um, you know, John, Apostle John, you know, after writing the book of John, he also wrote first, second, and third John. And eventually he wrote the last book. That is the book of Revelation. We know John was the last disciple to actually die. Uh, historians tell us he died when he was in his 90s. By the time he was writing the book of Revelation, he was in his 90s. But this is what it says in John chapter 3 and verse 20. Jesus Christ speaking says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, then I will come and dwell in him. I will come and dine with him and he with me. In that the option has been given and the ball has been thrown into our court. It's for us to decide, are we going to take it or not? Yet when you look at all that, it then boils down to what do we believe about Jesus Christ coming to this earth and dying on the cross. That is what separates the wheat from the chaff. That is what separates us from other faiths. At times I've had arguments about Christianity and Islam having a lot in common. Yes, they share names of prophets and all that. But when you, look, when you listen to the stories, like for example the story of Joseph and all that, you find some disparities. Okay, What you'll find in the Quran, Surah 12 of the Quran, it's called the Surah Yusuf. Okay? Uh, I know if someone has been a Muslim here, maybe anyone who's come from an Islamic background, you may have an idea of that, in that when you, when you read the two accounts, the story of Joseph in the Quran and the story of Joseph, you know, in Genesis uh, from chapter 37 to 50, you get some disparities. And at times, say, people will want to say, we share so much. Okay? We share so much. What is the difference between Christianity and Islam? Let me tell you. It all boils down to one thing. Did Jesus Christ die on the cross? And did he rise from the dead? Because they will tell you. Yes. Jesus Christ did. Come. We also believe in Jesus. But this is where the difference comes in. Whereas for us as Christians, we say that Jesus Christ died on the cross. Because we know the death on the cross, the blood that was shed on the cross is what makes the difference. Our Muslim brothers will say this. Jesus Christ did not actually die. It is a form that looked like him. He was probably substituted with Judah. With Judas. Okay? So it is someone who looked like him. He did not die. He was changed and taken into heaven. If we say the core of our faith is that the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed is what cleanses us from all sin. Then the moment we say Jesus Christ did not die, then it also means he never rose from the dead. Then we are doomed. Paul argues out the case and he says, for if the dead do not rise. This is from verse 16, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 16. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. 
Yet we know, when you look at Christ walking on this earth, when you look at the book of John chapter 11, it speaks about Lazarus. And Jesus visits Lazarus, and from around, uh, if I can just take a minute and go there, if you look from verse 38, you know, it is about Lazarus being raised from the dead. John chapter 11, this is what it says. Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you will believe, you will see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and feet, hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to him, to them, lose him and let him go. This is one of the stories in the Bible. True events that is recorded that Jesus raised someone from the dead. And we know when you read the, the previous verses, I remember we used to joke that what is the shortest verse in the Bible? And we'll say, John 11, 35. Because it says Jesus wept. But why did Jesus weep? Because he had lost a close friend. His friend Lazarus. But we find Jesus raising him from the dead. Yet when you, when you read the scriptures, you find yes, Lazarus did die again, you know, later on. Otherwise, we would still be here with him. But if you go back to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we are told that Jesus Christ did rise from the dead. And this is what it says if we were to read from verse 1 of chapter 15. This is what the Bible says. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand. By which also you are saved if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I deliver to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And that he was seen by Cephas. Cephas, uh, we mostly know him as Peter. You know, Peter the disciple, or Peter the apostle. Then, by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain in the present. In that what Paul was saying, from the more than 500 who had seen Jesus Christ after he rose from the dead, the greater part of that crowd of 500 plus was still alive by the time he was writing the book of Corinthians. He was writing to the Corinthians. And some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James. Then, 
by all the apostles. Now, when Paul is writing that after that he was seen by James, please realize there are two key James in the Bible. One was James the disciple. Okay? James the disciple. We normally speak of, you know, the core team of Jesus. You know, the three disciples. Peter, James, and John. But we know when you read the book of Acts, James, the disciple, was among the earliest people who died because of their faith. Are we together? You, you remember? I hope you'll take time to go through the book of Acts. Eh? He was among the earliest people who were killed. When the disciples were being arrested, you know, he was arrested and he was killed. So this James that Paul is writing about is the James we find in Acts chapter 15, uh, where we have the Jerusalem council. In that the key people in the early church, and this is James who was, can we say the half-brother of Jesus Christ. Okay? Born by Joseph and Mary. So this is the James that, you know, Paul is speaking about, and he's the James who authored the book of James. So that is what Paul is saying. After that, because he speaks of the 12 at first, then he speaks of James, just to make it clear. He was also seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also as by one born out of due time. In that Paul is saying, when I had an encounter with Jesus Christ, after all these people had seen Jesus when he rose from the dead, I also happened to see him. When? When he was sold on his way to Damascus. When he had an encounter with Jesus Christ. When Jesus asked him, soul, soul, why do you persecute me? So that is what he's saying. I also got to have an encounter with Jesus Christ. So he presents his case. Then he continues in verse 9. For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach and so you believed. Paul clearly presents the case. He clearly shows that when Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He was not only seen by two, three, four people. He was not only seen by the band of 12 disciples. Because in which case, people would maybe say, that one is just from the guys who are close to him. But the Bible says over 500 people saw Jesus after he rose from the dead. And that is the power of the resurrection. In that Christ did not only die, but he rose from the dead. And because he rose from the dead, we can also stand confidently that if we were to rest in Christ, we will also rise from the dead. The power that raised Lazarus from the dead 
is nothing compared to the power that rose Christ from the dead. In that Christ rose and he lives forevermore. And Paul is clearly saying, if Christ did not rise from the dead, then our preaching is in vain. We are to be pitied. Let us remember that is the core of the gospel. That Jesus Christ came. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross that we may be saved. But on the third day, he rose. And after he had been on this earth, after rising from the dead, he was on this earth for 40 days. And after 40 days, he was taken up. That is why in some of the Christian denominations, they celebrate what? The Feast of Ascension. You know, when Christ uh, you know, ascended into heaven. But you know, 10 days after that, what happened? The Holy Spirit came down. And thus, 50 days after Christ rose from the dead, what do we do? We celebrate the Feast of Pentecost. The believers were filled with the Holy Spirit. Which again fulfilled the words of Jesus Christ when he told the disciples and do not leave Jerusalem until the comforter comes upon you. The truth is it doesn't matter which part of this world we are born in. It doesn't matter where, whether we are born in a family that Others may consider a dynasty family or a hustler family. It doesn't matter whether you are learned or not. Whether you went to college or not. At the end of the day, what matters is how do you respond to the call of Jesus Christ when he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice, and by man, it also means woman. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, then I will come into him and I will dine with him and he with me. That is what will matter at the end of the day. And as I come to the end of the sharing this morning, just as I said, God, you know, if you are in a court of law, God being the judge, he has given us, he had give, he has given us one option, Jesus Christ. I'd like to ask you this morning, have you given your life to the Lord Jesus? Have you surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus Christ? How do you respond to the fact that Jesus Christ came? He was sinless, but the Bible says God made him who had no sin to be seen, that we may become the children of God. How do you respond to that? And this time I'd like us to just bow down our heads in prayer. With every head bowed, I'd like you to look at your life. And I'd like to ask you one question. What does the fact that Jesus Christ came, he lived on this earth, he died on the cross, and he rose again, what does it mean for you? What does the death of Jesus Christ mean for you? God has given us one option. We are not saved by our good works. We are not saved by coming to church. We are not saved 
by the family that we come from, that maybe we come from a Christian family. We are not saved by the very fact that maybe we are better than our siblings or we are more educated than our siblings. That is not what saves us. What saves us is something simple. Accepting that God gave his son Jesus Christ who came and died on the cross that we may become the children of God. John chapter 1 and verse 12 says, to those who believed in him, he gave the power to become the children of God. God has given us an invite. That if we only believe, because we are saved by grace through faith, not by anything else, if we only believe, then we shall be saved. Are you here this morning and maybe you've never given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ? But even as we are speaking of encounters with the Lord Jesus, as Saul had his encounter on his way to, to Damascus, you do not necessarily need such a dramatic encounter. Jesus Christ is saying, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens, I will come into him. Are you here? You are not born again. And this morning you would like to say yes. I believe that Jesus Christ died that I may be saved. According to the scriptures. And do you want to surrender your life to the Lord Jesus? Before we share the Holy Communion, we would like to give you that opportunity. If you are here and you would like to give your life to the Lord Jesus, just lift up your hand. If you like the resurrection power to become real in your life, just lift up your hand and we are going to pray together with you. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. Just lift up your hand and when I see it, we are going to pray together with you. Is there anyone? You're here. You've never given your life to the Lord Jesus. And this morning you want to say, yes, I want to be born again. Just lift up your hand wherever you are. We'd like to give you the opportunity to just pray with you. You'd like to say, yes, Lord Jesus, do not pass me by. Anyone, you've never given your life to the Lord Jesus, remember that this is a personal decision. It is purely between you and God. It is not about what you did yesterday or the days before. God is saying, come, I'm giving you a new slate. I'm giving you another chance. Just lift up your hand and we're going to pray together with you. Or you're here, maybe you gave your life to the Lord Jesus. But you backslid and you now want to recommit your life to the Lord. If you are here and you'd like to do that, just lift up your hand too. And we'd like to just pray together with you. Is there anyone you'd like to give your life to the Lord Jesus? Or you'd like to recommit your life to the Lord? Anyone who is there? Okay, let us pray. Almighty Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we want to thank you. We thank you for your goodness and love and your faithfulness to us. We thank you that we can celebrate the joy of your salvation. We thank you that we have hope of eternal life. Not because of what we did, but because of your goodness and love and your grace. And Lord God Almighty, we pray that even as we go through this life, though at times we may feel weary, at times we may feel as if our faith is faltering, at times we may feel as if we are low, 
as if the situations we are looking at are dead. Help us know that because you live in us, even the situations that seem hopeless to us, they can rise again in hope because you are a faithful God. Father, we pray and we thank you for your goodness and love and your faithfulness. And we pray that, Lord, this morning you shall be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So this time as we invite the worship team, uh, today is our Encounter Sunday. In our Encounter Sunday, what we normally do as ICC Mara of the month, where we have a longer time of praise and worship. But more than that, we also get to share the communion together, the Holy Communion. And so as the worship team leads us in a song and as the ushers serve, remember if you are here and you are born again, that is the only qualification you need to take part in the Holy Communion. Because you are saying that you acknowledge the very fact that Jesus Christ died and rose again for you. And as we celebrate the Holy Communion, I'd like to read from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 23. And as I go ahead reading, let me request the ushers to please go ahead. Remember that if you're born again, even if you do not come to ICC Mara, as long as you're born again, you qualify to partake of the Holy Communion. And as the ushers serve us, please, when we take the bread and the cup, let us please wait for each other so that we will share it together. We will share the bread and the cup together. So please, when you receive, just wait. But what we're saying is that as long as you're born again, you qualify to partake of the Holy Communion. Whether you, are, you belong to ICC Mara or another church, you may be visiting us today, but if you are here with us and you've given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, that's the only qualification to partake the Holy Communion. And this is what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 from verse 23, you know, going forward. This is what Paul said, you know, institution of the Lord's Supper. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take it. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink, as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Yet Paul, even as he was writing to the Corinthians, continues and says, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many asleep, and many sleep, that is, many die. For if we will judge ourselves, we will not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, whether you come together to, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment, and the rest I will set in order when I come.
Paul was saying, as I had mentioned before, there were a lot of things that were separating the church. There were a lot of divisions in the church in Corinth. At times, some would come and eat the Holy Communion, and they would come hungry, and they would just eat and eat and eat, eat to be full, as opposed to eating in honoring the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Yet, this was a command from the Lord Jesus himself, that when we meet, we should eat and drink of the cup, eat the bread and drink of the cup as a remembrance of him, of his death until he comes. Because he says, once again, if I can read, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take it, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink, as you drink it, in remembrance of me. So before we partake of the bread and the cup, as the worship team will be singing one song, I'd like you to just take time and reflect upon your life. In prayer, just go before the Lord. If there's something that is disturbing you, just tell the Lord to forgive you, to cleanse you, to sanctify you. We are, to, we are told to partake of the cup and the bread in a worthy manner, not in an unworthy manner. And so let every man examine himself. So before we partake, as the worship team just sings one short song, I'd like you to please reflect and look at your life even before we partake. And before they do that, is there anyone who's not been served? If you've not been served, please lift up your hand so that the ushers are going to serve you. Anyone who's not yet been served? Yes, there's somebody in front here. We have someone in front here who's not yet been served. Anyone else? You'd like to be served with the bread and the cup. Remember, the only qualification is that you need to have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Anyone else? I think the worship team is also yet to be served. We are yet to be served in front here. Oh, you've been served? Oh, you'll be served after. Okay, they'll be served after. So, at this time, anyone else? Anyone else? Okay, so as they lead us in one song, please, just close your eyes, take time and pray, examine yourself. Jesus, our Savior, oh, 
So this is what the word of the Lord says. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take it, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ took the bread and, and he told us that we should eat it in remembrance of him. And this morning, even as we partake of the bread, let us remember that it represents the body of Jesus that was crucified on the cross that we may be forgiven of our sins. And so this time, even as we, even as we pray, we just pray that we'll take the bread together. No wonder Paul says that let us eat it together. So let us just pray. Almighty God, we want to thank you for the bread. We thank you for the sacrifice on the cross. That because you are crucified, we live to be born again. And not only that, we live to have eternal life. Let us just share the bread together. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us pray. Almighty Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to thank you for your blood, O Lord Jesus, that was shed on the cross. Because you died on the cross, we are cleansed and sanctified from all sin. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the very fact that you've given us eternal life. Even as we partake of this cup today, may it bring about revival in our lives. May it bring healing. May it, oh Lord Jesus, bring revival once again. In Jesus' name we pray. Now let us take the cup together. Almighty Father, we want to thank you for your goodness and faithfulness. We thank you for your love to us. We thank you that our Lord and our God, it doesn't matter who we are, where we come from, what we've done, but by your grace, O oh Lord, you've chosen to forgive us by giving Jesus Christ to come and die on the cross. Lord, we pray that just as, Lord, as the Lord Jesus rose from the dead, whichever situations we are going through today, Help us know that through the resurrection power, we are victors in Christ Jesus. And because, Lord Jesus, you live, we can face tomorrow. We can walk confidently because of what you've done in our lives. Thank you that because you live, we can confidently say we have eternal life. For we are renewed. In your name, Lord Jesus, we pray and believe. Amen. So at this time, the ushers will be collecting the cups. And as they do that, I'd like to request the worship team to just lead us in one song. It's Celebration Sunday. So let us feel free to just rise up on our feet. Sing one song of praise, one song of celebration. And as we do that, we'd like to welcome the one who will be leading uh, the service, our leader for the day, to please uh, continue. Where is Melissa?
uh, so that she continues. Uh, however, for the rest of us, let's please rise, sing one song. It's Celebration Sunday. Let us choose to celebrate. Yeah, thank Hi. you. Let's go. Cool. 